welcome to this edition of the Never Give Up podcast. Today's guest is Mark Eustace. Mark played 137 games of AFL football in Victoria and in Sydney, and his journey with depression and bipolar is a riveting story of how bad it can get when it goes undiagnosed. Mark commenced his career in AFL football at the age of 16 at the Essendon Football Club. He stayed there for a couple of years. His form wavered, depending on how the depression was affecting his performance and training. He then moved to Richmond, and then he moved to Sydney to finish his playing career. All through those three clubs, no one diagnosed Mark with having depression. No one understood what he was going through, and nor did Mark understand what he was going through. He just thought he was different. He couldn't understand why he was getting into such lows, why that was affecting his form and his performance. He just didn't understand. Towards the end of his career in Sydney, playing with the Sydney Football Club, Mark could be found before a game sitting in the toilets crying, not wanting to go out and play, but he had a contract. He retired at the age of 27 after playing 137 games with Sydney, Richmond and Essendon. And we're going to join Mark as he now talks about life after football, how his life spiralled out of control and how he is putting it back together again all these years later. Let's join Mark as he talks about life after football. When I gave it away, because I, I couldn't go on. And I couldn't take the abuse, anything, the pressure of, you know, whatever. You know, I'd, you know, I'd had broken jaws a couple of years ago and Kinnear made me do a warm-up with a broken jaw. You know, I should have been going to hospital, you know, like all this trauma. And and then I I sort of, then I, when I when I stopped, there was a load went off my shoulders because I didn't have to go to training, didn't have to get fit, I didn't have to get abused anymore and all the rest of it. But then... I, I started doing what, um, you know, normal bloke does. I, you know, I used to get invites to everything, you know, during the season, but you wouldn't go. But so I started going to parties and all that because I could. And, you know, I'd be drinking Friday, Saturday nights, and then I'd have, you know, drinks after work. Um, you know, I just had a little small printing uh, business brokerage. I stayed up in Sydney at the time, which is probably wasn't a great decision. But, um, and then, you know, on the weekends, there was always cocaine at the party, so I started hopping to that, and then I'd be, you know, Saturday nights, then it'd be Friday nights, then we'd go for lunch on Sunday. So all of a sudden, you're having three days on the coke as well. And, you know, I just taught me, I'm just a social taker, they'll be all right, you know. But, I mean, if you take drugs, you take drugs. It doesn't matter when you take them, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or, you know, there's no such thing as drug, um, there's no such thing as, you know, social drug taking. And... Um, yeah, so then it, then it got to the stage where it'd start Thursday night and then, like, on a Sunday and that after Monday, I just the come down was just horrendous and the depression would kick in and, you know, at that time, bipolar and anxiety and and I just couldn't take it, so i just have to get back on them to get rid of this feeling. Of course, yeah, by this time, the yeah, my bit, that little business was you know, shot because I wasn't there and, you know, and I retired. When I retired, I invested my money quite well, about four houses hanging around, you know, one in Sydney and in Melbourne and that, you know, so I had to sell the house in Sydney and that. But anyway, I thought I'll go back. I'll go back to Melbourne and um, just try and be, rebuild my life and just, you know, just just get this little minor thing out. But uh, you know, guess what, mate? There's drugs in Melbourne as well. Apparently, they, they say. <laughs> 
So I sort of just got got back down here and I just picked up from where I left off. Um, and then I I, I was a uh, got a really good job as a marketing promotions manager for a sunglass company, Dirty Dog Eyewear, who are in in uh, Sydney and uh, sorry in New Zealand and. And it was basically me in Melbourne. I was selling a lot of sunnies, promoting the you know, living daylights out of them and doing a really good job. But what they didn't know is that, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example, Graham. that I was at the stage where I'd, I'd get up in the morning and for breakfast I'd have four lines of cocaine and four shots of vodka to get myself going. Then I'd go and do maybe a couple of meetings with someone. So I'd be, you know, let's say you're a CEO of whatever, but you are, <laughs> of your own businesses, and I'd be walking in you know, high and drunk and smelled of cigarettes, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning for a meeting like it was disgraceful on my behalf. Then I'd just go and after that, I'd just go to the nearest pub, bring up a drug dealer, he'd come and sort me out. Uh, and then I'd just drink and I'd get on the other end of the phone and make ridiculous phone calls to clients and all the rest of it. And this would just go on all day until I eventually got to a, my local pub near me, yeah, drink and drug all night. And all, then when that had shut, um, I'd get a bottle of vodka and I would have bought more Coke by then and um, go home, drink the vodka and have the Coke and just leave enough for breakfast in the morning sort of thing, have sleep until pills and try and get a few hours sleep. So that's that was my life. At that okay. Time. So where, where, when did the turning point come and how did it come, mate? Well, it, it, it come when um, I was, A, in the pocket, like I was spending a fortune. I was just spending thousands and houses were going left, right and centre. Um, and I had, and when you're real like that in my state, you've got no responsibility, you've got no care, you don't care about anyone else, you only care about getting drugs, you only care about, you don't care about a bill, nothing. And you get rid of all your good friends who bring in all the bad friends, the drug dealers, the bikies, the strippers, all that. So I was in that world, but there was a there was a there was a stage where I was really excited with that world, doing the drug deals and picking up the drugs and all that. It excited me for some reason, but that really all come to a halt after a long period of time. And it, all my friends knew what I was doing. And one one day I'd been out for about three days, and I just had a massive go at it, uh, which was not unusual for me. And I get a phone call from Barry Mitchell. He's a player. Sydney with me and he said, Ah, oh, how you going, Wally? And I said, Oh, oh man, I'm a bit flat. Like I was I was actually smashed. And what what had happened was I was starting to get tired of the life. It was it's very tiring, <laughs> believe it or not. And I I was just starting to get tired of the whole thing. And you know, then when I'd go somewhere in the clubs or whatever, I'd have drugs, everybody knew I'd have drugs and people would be around me and girls and that. And as soon as they didn't have them, they'd go, you know. But he said, listen, I'll pick you up tomorrow. I'll go and see Dr. Ben Barassi, who was a Carlton footy club doctor. And I said, yeah, okay. So he picked me up and took me to the, took to see Ben, who was, Mitch was working at Carlton at that time. So he then, um, he just, he sat in front of me and he just said, do you want to go to rehab? And I just said, yeah, okay, I'll go. <laughs> that was it. And I said, yeah, I'll go. So, but the problem was it was about a two week wait for a bed. So I, I just continued on my merry way. Just, I was just going crazy for two weeks. So finally I get a bed and, and I get a phone call. I think it was from Mary Williams who Mary and Greg sort of helped raise all the money from out of the clubs and everybody got together and got the 28 grand. It was like this time I was I was tapped out. I had no health insurance. I, I, had no, I didn't know what I had. I didn't know anything about myself. 
then they uh, they, they raise the money. Um, I remember that I come home on the and he said you've got to be there at ten o'clock on a Saturday morning, a uh, Sunday morning, which is Visitors Day. So um, I then just get there. Then I got picked up by my mate Mitzi. He drove me over. Um, for some reason, I packed a suitcase and took a brand new footy with me. Don't know why, but I did. <laughs> Bit of a security thing. Um, but on, on that day, you know, it was like it was family day. So the front reception was closed. You had to go through a back courtyard. There was about fifty people in the in the in the courtyard. And Mitchie dropped me off, and then I, I walked to that courtyard, and I, I put the case out. It was like I went to my knees. And I just got this feeling that went through my body. It was just. What have I done to myself? How could I do this to my friends, my family? I can't believe it. was like this big lightning bolt just hit me. And I just started crying. I, I just, how could, how could this happen? How, how could, to, to me, what have I done? I just couldn't believe it at the time. It just, it was this lightning bolt moment. And then I, I walked in and I was just standing there gazing. And then they gave me a medical and said, I, you know, I was getting blue lips and grey face and all that and my system was starting to shut down so it probably said you had another two or three days but anyway so I started a de- detox and um, oh, that was hell <laughs> Jesus. Um, you know I, I, I can't remember it and it was just terrible. So you, you go into the rehab, uh, you come out you finished up going back to Albert Park once you, and you were diagnosed with a massive uh, case of bipolar yeah, so so I got through the twelve, the twenty eight days, feeling okay after it. Should have got home was you know was like, you know, what am I going to do now? Sort of thing, you know. Do I go and take drugs? Do I start drinking? Or do I try and or will I fight it? And I decided to fight it anyway. So the AFL PlayStation got my psychiatrist. He diagnosed me with severe bipolar and depression and anxiety and just everything. And then yeah, started seeing him and trying to get the medication right. It took about two years to get medication right. Because when you take it, you have to go up and down. And if no one, one's not working, sorry, you've got to, you know, wean off that, then wean on another one. So this went on for ages and ages before we finally got a mixer to, to balance me out and that. But at the same time, I'm trying to stay sober as well. And, oh, my God, that was just horrible. So that was, that was 2006, and uh, that's when I first met you. And uh, I remember that you used to lock yourself in your room for three weeks at a time and put on 15 kilos and eat ice cream. And then you'd come out of your room for the next four weeks in almost a manic state as they kept adjusting the, the medication. Then you went back to work after a period of time. What did you do? Yeah, yeah finally, after, after eight years it was, I couldn't work. I was unemployable for a start. I got a, I got a uh, job. Uh, stacking pallets at Woolworths out at Mulgrave, and I live in Nindry, so and it was six, six, six shifts a week, and you know night shift and whatever, and so I'd have to you know drive over. But as it as it turned out, um, a wise man said to me once that you've got to start with the the worst job you can get. I the, the best thing about it was it, it got me to go. I had to be somewhere. I integrated with people because I was a recluse for seven or eight years. I didn't speak to anyone and just put on a thousand kilos, you know. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so it was the best thing I did. I did the job. I did it well. I got there. I, I and just just on that, that that's about twenty kilo, uh, twenty five kilometres from where you live. Yeah. And your shift sometimes were four in the morning and five yeah. in the morning, yeah. so I had to drive across. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you were there. Things start to improve. Um, you start doing some talk. 
helping people with your story yeah. and you're talking about depression, then what happened? Yeah, I was lucky enough I was on open mic and I got a bit of a response from that show and I was still at Woolies and a good mate of mine, Simon Madden, said, do you want to come out and just do a couple of interviews or that? And it sort of they went really well. It was just like a Q&A. Uh, so, but I got to the stage at Woolies, I remember it was another light bulb moment. I went to clock off one day after 17 months and I said, I'm done here. This has done its job. It's time to move on to my next stage of my life. So that's what I did. And then Simon sort of said, well, you know, we'll go and do some talks and that. You know, the first three or four months was pretty slow, <laughs> just like anything, you've got to get something. So that was probably, yeah, about oh, five years ago now, I suppose. I'm six, you know, with COVID, I can't really remember. Uh, so, yeah, I started to get out and just tell my story to, to anyone that listened to it, basically. And I know, because I've spoken to you a number of times over the last few years, that you were starting to not tell people that you were still feeling anxiety and depression and you were covering it and hiding it? Yeah, I, I did that. I, I wasn't practising what I, I was preaching. I was preaching to, you know, you know you've got to get help, you've got to talk to people, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you know, uh, when you got it. Um, and, and I wasn't doing it myself. So I, I was I was still suffering. I had the red devil inside me. I was having attacks every day because I lived by myself. So purple didn't know what I was going through on a day-to-day basis. You know, I'd put a big mask when I'd go out because I you know, had all these functions with celebrities and whatever and I'm doing talks and you know, I'm all over the place, you know. So everybody just says, oh, Wally was just flying, you know. Sorry, three months ago, you put your hand up and yep. you go you go back into rehab for treatment. Yeah, like, was, yeah, yeah, it was about, yeah, last November it all started where it was horrific. I couldn't, I couldn't operate, I couldn't function um, and I finally just come to the stage where I was laying on the floor and I couldn't move and I was crying and then I finally rang a mate and he come round and just, you know, what the hell's going on? Well, you know, so, again, then <laughs> I can't believe it. You know, 14 and a half years later and I'm back to square one, like, with everything, you know, and, you know no work and money and, and everything. And But I, did, I have got a roof over my head, which is something. AFL PlayStation got me into the Epworth Hospital, Mental Health Hospital, uh, which they do TMS treatment. Okay, so you, you do the TMS treatment. You've been home a few months now. You've started a foundation. Uh, tell us a bit about the foundation. Okay, yeah, Regain Life Focus is probably with, with, with me now after being in the Epworth, what I saw as well with a lot of young kids and that. You know, we've, I've been working on this for a long time, but I suppose one thing Kobe's had is got to give me a chance to start this up. So we're fully fledged, non-for-profit, the whole lot. It's all about mental health and addiction. Um, so, so what's it called again? Oh, sorry, I didn't like, Regain Life Focus. Okay, you've got, you got a website? Yeah, regainlifefocus.com.au. Okay. Um, and we're just getting, you know, up and running. So as I said, and we've got our um, certificates, you know, your tax deductions, we've got everything. So... I'm really, really passionate about that. You know, I love what I do. I want to help people. You know, and 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 and, and just really get out there and get get get, get things moving. The awareness, the awareness, the mental health, and Mark, I've known you for a long time, mate. And I asked you this before we started this podcast. Uh, and the title of the podcast is "Never Give Up." Are, are you going to give up, or are you going to beat this? No way that I will stop fighting till I die. Okay. I go through it every day and fight it and fight it and fight it. And it's been twice now I've had to start. And I'm starting again from scratch again, and I'll do it again and again and again. Mark, you are a legend uh, in a lot of ways. 
And as I said at the beginning of this podcast, uh, I've seen a lot of people over the years in a lot of different conditions, and I have nothing but the greatest admiration for you and the fight you've been through and is still going through. Give us the name of that not-for-profit again. Uh, Regain Life Focus. Regain Life Focus. If anyone out there wants to know more about Mark's journey or would like Mark to come and talk at their business, it's an inspirational story. Mark's life is an inspiration to no matter how bad it gets, you never give up. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the program today, Mark, and I wish you all the best for the future. Thanks, Greg. I really appreciate you having me, mate. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We have some great guest speakers in the addiction world lined up for you in the coming episodes, so make sure you don't miss out. To find out more about Mark's non-for-profit, you can visit regainlifefocus.com.au. If you would like to find out more about Reset My Future, visit our website at resetmyfuture.com, where you'll find information on our 12-week non-residential program for people who want to address their substance abuse issues, reset their path going forward, and feel excited about their future. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, where we regularly share recovery tips, success stories, and open up the discussion about what modern recovery looks like today. 